friends, and welcome to Bold Mercies with Heather Johnson. I am so glad that you have decided to join us, to come and listen to some faith-building stories, to have our hearts stirred, stirred about God's awesome mercies that He shows us, and how we can live out those mercies and boldness in our journeys, which can sometimes be really exciting ways, and sometimes our journeys can be terrifying and can be dark and can be stormy and can be scary. But indeed, God's bold mercies in our lives help us live out our stories with boldness. Gabby, we are so thankful that you can be with us today on Bold Mercies podcast. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. So I had invited a dear friend of both of ours, actually, to join me on this podcast this week to talk about an NGO that she had begun working with refugees (laughs) in the Middle East area. You volunteer for this organization, but our friend had a health crisis and she was not able to interview last week. And so she handed it off to you because you do a lot of work volunteering for them. Yes. But as I talked to you a couple days ago, we chatted and I really wanted you to be able to tell your story. I wanted you to be able to share what was on your heart because that would be the most authentic story that we could get from you. I really would love to hear your story and to hear what is on your heart. And you said that conversation that you and I had really kind of stirred a few things in your heart. So what did it stir in your heart? Yes. So when you ask me, you know, what is your story and kind of reevaluating what's my voice, because I'm so used to speaking for other people. So just to give a little background, my whole profession has been in public relations. And that's a big part of what I do, uh, volunteering with the friend that you mentioned. um, And that nonprofit work is helping with the branding, helping, you know, find those stories and share those and find Mm -hmm. others' voices within that um, and share that for them on on their behalf. And so when you're asking me, you know, what's mine, it had me really kind of taken back and like, oh, I need to really sit with that and think of it because I'm so geared toward sharing other people's. And I think just along those lines, I had to kind of go back and think about, I've struggled with that before. I've Mm. struggled with almost losing my own voice and, you know, kind of losing sight of my own story along the way. And it's almost this sort of identity crisis of, well, what what am I doing? What do I want to be doing? Uh, What do I have to share? What do I have to contribute? Because I am a firm believer that everyone has a story, that everyone has something to share and contribute, but I'm usually the one prompting others for that. So then uh, it was really helpful when you prompted me and it, you know, the tables were turned. I think that's something that I've, I've gone through multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. So I like what you had sent to me in an email and you said, you know, women wear so many hats Yes, and we go through so many transitions in our life. Yes. You know, going out of the home and into college, perhaps getting married, perhaps heading straight into the business world, having children, not having children and dealing with infertility. Mm -hmm. We move, we make new friends, we leave friends. We just have a ton of transitions in our lives and each time can really prompt some sort of identity crisis. Like who, who am I? Like this transition can raise those questions. So when you think of these transitions and that identity crisis that can raise up in your heart, 
Do you have a story or an example of that where you really wrestled with that? Yeah, actually, there were probably three kind of big points, like you're saying, transition points that usually this kind of comes up, if you will. Um, I'm usually thinking, what is next? And that's usually when you're kind of like, okay, Mm. like you're saying, who am I? Whose am I? And I think as Christians, that's what always helps bring me back, keep me grounded, because we know we can sit in those truths of we are a daughter of the King. We are redeemed. Amen. We are loved. That is where our identity is in the truth of Jesus, in that unchanging truth. Even yeah, when we're amen. going through those transitions and everything else around us is changing, that's what doesn't change. So probably one of the big points that that happened was a few years ago, I was living in Dallas and working for a big PR firm. And I decided there was a it was a turning point and I needed to change. And so I was leaving that kind of taking a break to decide what's next. And like you're saying, as women, we do wear so many hats and, and there are so many roles that we fill. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at what is next and what do I need to do and where is God calling me? There's a lot to unpack there. And I think for me, what God ended up teaching me was that there's not necessarily a right and wrong direction there. Like I think we put ourselves in these positions where I've got to make sure it's the exact right call, it's the right path, mm-hmm. it's the right door, and there's black and white and right and wrong. And I don't want to choose mm-hmm. the wrong thing of doing what's next. And there's so much self-imposed pressure there. And so kind of sitting with that and praying through it, my husband and at the time our life group there in Dallas really helped me to see that we have these points of transitions and we have these opportunities and options that God puts before us. And it's important to remember that He will bless us as long as we're keeping Him at the center and seeking Him mm-hmm. in it, whichever path we choose, whichever door we we take. Because if He's putting mul- multiple doors that are open in front of us, then that means he's going to walk with us through that door. And yeah. it's not necessarily the right and the wrong one. And oh, who knows what's next? If you choose the wrong thing, you know, we, we kind of put ourselves into that, that crisis mode. Mm-hmm. And we don't have mm-hmm. to do that. We don't have to have that fear. Because it really is a fear that comes out of uh, a right heart, not yes. wanting to be outside of God's will. Exactly. That none of us would ever want to be like, oh, we we had these massive choices in front of us yes. and we chose something and rats, now it's outside of God's will. Yes. And I think what you said is so true. Sometimes there just is not a right or wrong answer. You just, at the end of the day, have to make a choice when God has not made it explicitly clear about what that choice should be. Exactly. Yes. And we can we can feel the freedom in that to take risks and to trust him to, to mm. carry us through along the way. And so that's what I ended up doing at the time I left the firm and I ended up just kind of launching my own thing and doing uh, freelance public relations consulting and taking on my own clients. And and it was kind of that risk of like, should I do this? Should I take this leap? Should I put mm-hmm. myself out there? And, you know, having that freedom to go boldly into that um, sort of unknown realm and trusting that he's going to carry me through it is so huge. And that's one of those mm-hmm. those truths, like I said, we can sit in yeah. with his bold mercies. You know, isn't 
it's so true that risks, when you take those risks, that they will always be huge faith building times. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) Yes. God just orchestrates it that way. And for you, it probably felt like a huge leap of faith. Right. But God was able to orchestrate it in such a way that it was just built your faith. Yes. Your risk grew a fruit and a blossom. Yes. Yeah. How did you see your identity in Christ shift through this change? And what ways did you see it reroot? You know, I think just sitting with the fact that I could take this break and I could trust him to carry us through and change. Yeah. It changes your whole lifestyle, right? So there's so many different little factors there. And so Mm -hmm. your whole mindset kind of has to shift and be like, okay, Mm -hmm. God's going to provide in a new way. And he's going to show up if I take this leap and I'm going to trust that he is. And I think it grounded me more like you're saying through the faith building aspect of it to know that, oh, I can totally drop what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And he is still there. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, my job day to day look is different and I'm changing what I'm doing in a way. But but my identity isn't lost in that. Um, it's mm. not changing along with the circumstances around me that are changing. Right. Do you see any one very specific way that God showed up and reminded you during that time of your identity in Him? I think what's honestly coming to mind is the verse about how we're not given a spirit of timidity, but of boldness. Mm, um, and I love that. And I think being able to boldly go into something that's brand new to me and mm, start from scratch that. and knowing that he's he's put that in me for a reason. And he gave me the, the courage and that boldness to go forth in that. Wow. We need that courage and boldness so much <laughs> in our lives. Yes. And just that reminder that he's not given us a spirit of timidity, but he has given us a spirit of fearlessness yes. or of boldness. Yes, exactly. Well, Gabby, you are also my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not my like exact neighbor. Like that would be really fun if you were. <laughs> we actually live on opposite sides of our little of our you know, little-ish city here. So you also very recently, kind of like me, made a massive transition and you guys decided Mm -hmm. to uproot your lives Mm -hmm. and move from probably everything that was familiar to you and take a massive leap. So tell me why in the world did you guys choose this massive leap and what in the world has that transition looked like for you? Because it is huge. It is. It is. That was probably the next huge transition I was thinking of um, that I went through the same questions again and faith building experience again was moving out here to Doha. So when it came about, we were, uh, you know, attending church in Dallas and we had different missionaries and stuff that we supported and they would come give us updates and it was awesome. And they were talking about the influx of refugees just pouring in and how they are reaching these people that they never would have been able to reach before um, and how great the need is. It really sparked something in Mm. both my heart and my husband's. We really felt a calling to get closer to the situation, to actually be Mm -hmm. more hands-on. And so we were like, you know, we're in our 20s. We don't have kids. If we're going to move abroad and we're going to make this kind of a a leap and transition, this is probably a good time to do it. So let's pray about it. Let's see what, again, what door God opens. It helps that my husband's background was international studies and he minored in Arabic. And so that was a big part of why our heart was especially for these refugees fleeing 
conflict in the Arab world of, you know, Mm -hmm. he has the language skills to talk to them and work with them and help them. And we both have the heart to serve. And so how can that work together? Long story short, Doha, Qatar was the place that ended up working out and God definitely put into place for us and orchestrated all of that. And it's been the perfect location really to bounce to all the different places that are nearby, whether it's in Jordan or Iraq or Lebanon. And that's kind of what brought us out out here but yeah. then you get here you know literally <laughs> it's like walking it's like moving to the moon almost it is, it is. or my husband always references the movie the martian yes when he's oh, no, about so moving out here absolutely yes it is very real <laughs> you pretty much throw all familiarity out the window right and it's you relearn sort of everything of how to get around and how this works and where do you go for this and you have to sort of reteach yourself what you thought was basic and it's somehow not anymore and things that were very simple and convenient are now definitely not and so mm-hmm. even when you you make that leap and you make that move whether it's you know to another state or to another county or across the ocean I think any move can bring those feelings of just like, wait, what have I done? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, what, what did we actually do? What in the world was this decision? And you yes, know, I was yes. thinking like not even just moves, but there's so many things in life, like so many upheavals in life that like you said, what once seems simple, yes. all of a sudden isn't simple anymore. Exactly. Um, what once was like, I am so all over this. Uh-huh. You can have an upheaval and a transition in your life where you're like, oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I am a fish swimming up water. Yes, right that now. is exactly it. So I definitely went through the, I guess, identity crisis phase again of just, you know, wait, what are we doing? Did we make the right call? You know, moving abroad just... Yeah. It means losing access to basic conveniences and to friend groups. And I think that in itself allows you to see, like you're saying, how much we feel like we're in control and how self-reliant we convince ourselves that we are when in reality... It is such a humbling thing to go through to realize your need for God and your need for His help. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that was the big thing for me was I really struggle to ask for help. And when you Mm -hmm. move, and especially abroad like this, you have to ask for help. You have to ask a lot of questions. It can be very isolating if you choose not to do that. That's exactly right. Yes, we hear the the messages of self-reliance, of self-independence, of doing your own thing and individual pursuits and everything. And so you feel almost like you need to do it all on your own. And you are mm. and that's fine to have the empowering messages surrounding us because it is important to have that belief about yourself. But I don't think that's ever how God really intended us to live because He wants us to have community. He set it up that way to have church family, to have this surrounding support system. We were never meant to be an island, right? So we are yeah, we have no. to lean on each other. There are way too many verses about sharing each other's burdens, uh, literally to ignore. That was the humbling experience for me coming out here and being just stripped of your comfort zones and really taking a hard look at, wait, where am I placing my identity and really examining why I felt so discontent or just confused at best, you know, that makes it really a big self-evaluation point to see yes. where where my, where have I been putting my identity when I didn't even realize I was. Yes. Kind of as like the ground shifts. It does. And <laughs> then you <laughs> yeah. and then you're like, okay, now we have to figure out how to replant ourselves in a mm. completely different soil mm-hmm. than what we had known before. Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is when we take ourselves out of our monotonous 
this routine and our norm, and we totally change all of our familiar territory and everything's new, we almost have so much more of a situational awareness about us. And I would say spiritual awareness, you know, if our, if we're aligned, aligning ourselves that way. And I think there's so many stories through scripture where God does call his people to leave familiarity and to go and to totally replant themselves, like you're saying. And usually that's when they can hear him better. And that's what happened for me. I think I moved out of all that was totally normal and that I just got used to being there. And all of a sudden you're on such alert and you're so much more intentional about looking for him. When you're in something totally new, you have to pause, you have to look to him and you and you hear him so much more clearly. We can say, you know, above the noise, but there's noise here. There's going to be noise wherever you move and whatever you're doing. <laughs> and it's more actually I think we hear him more clearly above the monotonous drone of daily life. Yes. And we are stripped, like you said, of mm-hmm. everything that's familiar from us in times of transition and times of upheaval that we're actually stripped of that familiarity. Mm-hmm. And so it casts us in a new dependence on yes. the Lord. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's beautiful because we end up questioning things that we never would have questioned, right? Yeah. Because because you're exploring things that I never even thought about why I used to do that or how that used to work. And you're actually, again, pointed more directly to him and you're searching and learning so much more. And that's been my experience moving out here for sure. As you know, we move a lot also in the military. And yes. this is going to sound funny, but... Uh, when you move somewhere new, you also don't have a lot of girlfriends yet. Yes. So you end up talking to yourself more than <laughs> you talk to people around you. No, absolutely. So it just allows for time of real introspection, I yes. think, when you're like, okay, I don't have as many girlfriends as I did to chat over coffee with That's these right. things. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so real. <laughs> well, talking about dependence mm-hmm. um, made me think about your volunteer work with Walk With Me. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about that, where you are seeing yourself completely dependent upon God in a time of real upheaval. Oh, man, that's pretty much every trip you take, (laughs) honestly. Um, So most of the time, what we've been doing lately is going to Lebanon and we revisit uh, same groups and families and we really have helped establish relationship there. And that's what I love so much about it. It's not a just a quick summer trip and you go and you meet people and then you leave and you often either never come back or you don't ever see those same people again. Whereas this work, you get to really establish relationships and to have the really deep and meaningful conversations uh, that really do matter. And I think you can't do that on just a one-time trip in where you distribute food or you know education supplies. It really takes multiple times to go back and forth and to revisit and to get them to ask the questions you want them to ask, basically. And I think for me, that's been most beautiful. We usually try to use the same uh, driver. And so I feel like just the driver, the Lebanese driver himself is part of the ministry work. You know, he's driving us to these different camps and to these different project sites and working with the Syrians and Iraqis and Kurdish people that are coming in. But it's so interesting, the dynamic there, because Lebanese people are struggling as well. And they see groups of us coming in with different volunteers and keep revisiting these these people who are seeking refuge in their country in Lebanon. And there can be some resentment of that. There can be some confusion about that. But what we've learned is 
because of our consistency and because we keep showing up and we keep showing love and we keep supporting him by keep choosing him, you know, that's his his livelihood that we're supporting. He sees the authenticity of it. One of my favorite moments has been that recently he was actually the one that asked, you know, so so in this God book that you have, this Jesus book, is he telling you to love people? Because I mm. see you bring more and more people in its real love every time. And he's like, you you come from Doha, Qatar. You don't have to be here. And that's what some of the the refugees have said as well. Like they look look at us very puzzled. You know, they're like, you could be traveling anywhere you want. Like you could be in the Maldives right now. You'd be taking a vacation. Why are you coming to my tent? Why are you in front of me right now? Why do you care? And it's this just absolute confusion. And I think that is exactly what God talks about. We get them to the point where they have to ask. And we are then held accountable to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. And that's all they want is hope. And Mm -hmm. when they come to that themselves and the driver and the refugees and these families that are in such desperate need are looking at us so confused, like there's just no other explanation. Like it has to be real because it doesn't even make sense for you to be here in front of me and helping me. And you don't even know me and you don't Mm -hmm. know what I come from. And we're definitely don't share the same faith usually. And so why do you care? And it's like, we we're here because that is what Jesus did. That's what he calls us to do. And this is real. And they, Mm -hmm. they see it and they see it every time we keep coming back. And that's been such an exciting thing of it keeps sinking in more and more for them. And then they tell their families and their neighbors, and we get to meet more and more people. And so on the recent trips, you know, we have certain very specific families we follow up with, but they will invite more relatives of theirs to come into their tent when we're in their tent. Mm -hmm. And they want them to hear from us, you know, and it's, it's such an interesting line of work, because it can be so fulfilling, and yet so draining at the same time. It's such a paradox. But you, you yeah, know. No, but I totally know what you mean. Your soul feels full, yes. but your body feels depleted. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And you just went through a really scary time recently. Yeah. But it was an uprising. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uprising it wasn't a war. I think yeah. uprising is probably yeah. the term for it. Definitely. Where you guys had a group of girls from the church here in Doha, a group of youth group girls and their moms. Mm -hmm. And you all were driving out with like protests. Well, you actually got stuck. Isn't that right? We did. Yes. That was something that you just can't even really anticipate. I mean, not that protests don't happen in Lebanon, but not to this degree. Like you said, this was definitely a big uprising. So we were trying to leave, ended up being in October, the day that all of this unrest really kicked off in such an organized way. And I think that was the key difference there, that this was very planned out, very strategic. There were huge protests literally all over the the country in different areas, all over Beirut, all over out in Zahli in the Baka Valley where we were, really strategized to make this happen. Um, and so when we were trying to leave and get to our flight, we ended up blocked with fires and um, literally tires and huge piles of trash, you know, blocking the highways and protesters just going up and down both sides of the street, like definitely all traffic laws were kind of thrown out the window. And we're in this huge van with our, you know, dozen high school, junior high girls, and they start swarming the van and shaking the van and this whole mob mentality takes over and kicks in and we're like, okay, 
this could get serious. We were praying through the whole thing. The girls were such troopers, really, really handled themselves well. Um, Our driver was just amazing. I don't know how some of the ways he navigated in that huge vehicle around things that he did, but he did. And what ended up happening was we pulled over to just where there was the nearest hotel, basically, and went in there to kind of wait it out and see, you know, is this going to be an afternoon thing? Because our flight was kind of later in the evening. So maybe we'll still make it. We'll just kind of hang out here. It was literally probably a kilometer from the airport. So we were so close. We're like, it's right there. there. Right there. But we waited it out, kept getting worse, more and more fires in different areas started coming about. And we were like, okay, we are going to just bunker down. And thankfully, our driver, he stayed up like all just all night, just on watch. And we were probably at like two in the morning. He called us and he said the uh, military had come through and made some of the protesters kind of clear out and get off the main highways. He was like, we have to go now. Like, this is it. This is they they just cleared the road. And he was like, everybody get in the van. We crossed the street and we got on there hurriedly. And behind us, they were already restarting the heaps and piles of trash to restart lighting and burning again. And so we're like, if we don't go, it will be already restarted in front of us too. So we pretty much followed the tanks out and we were right behind the military (laughs) getting to the airport very quickly. And I literally feel like it was God sending those tanks in front of us and just like parting the sea for us. You know what I mean? (laughs) Military escort. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Crashed in the airport floor there. And we were just like, okay, we're here. That's all that matters. We will get on a flight. And that was an unusual heavy trip to debrief because it was, you know, there's lots of heavy things you see on a trip like that. And then that to be our exit, we were just, okay, girls, like, please don't lose sight of what you just did all week and all the work that you put in and don't let this cloud, you know, cloud that. But they were so great. And we've had so many good kind of debriefing sessions with them since then. And you could just tell they, they loved it and they would they would go back. And I'm sure it marked them in their journey. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Working with the refugees and seeing seeing that kind of loss, but also just the community of refugees that, as you described, love the helpers and just the authenticity and just continuing to show up. Not show up once, but just continuing to show up again and again. Yes, exactly. As you look back on your journey and these, we're talking about identity crisis and these upheavals that you've been facing or transitions that you've been facing, how have you really seen God's bold mercies alive in you? Kind of like what we've said is the way he shows up in my life and reminds me that he's constant and he's there and he's consistent for us. He is faithful. No matter what's going on, whatever turmoil is going on around us, we can cling to him. We tend to lose sight of it and focus more on the storm rather than the one that the winds and the waves obey. <laughs> and we yeah. forget that uh, he's actually in charge of the storm. And he knows that we're going to get to the other side. And he has a plan in that too. And whatever the enemy would intend for bad, he can turn into good, you know, and these these things end up becoming our testimonies that we can share later. Even that example of the exit of that trip, that was him showing up in such a Amen. big, powerful way for us to remind us like, hey, I've still got you. I didn't forget yeah. that you went on this trip for me over here. 
and I'm going to get you out and it's going to be okay. That in itself is just another you know, reassurance of how big he is in our lives. And how much will the faith that you have built through these experiences by seeing God show up mm-hmm. embolden your walk in the future? I mean, it just will just you will just be more emboldened each time that God calls you to a new transition, to a new upheaval, to a new change, to even to facing maybe another situation like that in the in refugee camps in the future. Like you're saying, what do we take from that into the next time? Because sometimes we forget how many, you know, lions and things that David faced before he even faced Goliath. So maybe mm-hmm. what are we facing right now that are just the lions and the things that we're battling? And then we're going to have a huge Goliath encounter next. And he's mm-hmm. he's almost training us along the way to what is next. But I think knowing that we can look back and reflect on those situations and see mm-hmm. how he shows up means we can keep showing up and Amen. we can trust that he's he's there and he's got it. And so it's really not about us anyway. And I tend to be a control freak. And I like to think that I'm in control of things. And I've got this plan in mind and things figured out. And I just end up needing to stop fighting him for the pin and let him write for me (laughs) Um, in all aspects of life. If I'm just fighting with him over the pin and think I have something to write down, I just probably am going to end up with scribbles. One of my favorite verses in scripture, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When we lean into that truth, we can live boldly. We can trust him to work things out for us for our good. We're going to end every podcast with a question, Gabby, and it's this question, what makes you happy? Or I should rephrase that. What is making you happy right now in your life? I think I've I'm finding that I'm happiest right now, actually, in the gym. Um, It's kind of been my therapy right now. And what's interesting is I think it's it's not so much about the end results of what whatever we're doing the you know gym session for. It's actually kind of turned into a point of praise for me because when we kind of practice that self love and self care, um, and we see what we're capable of doing, whether it's in the gym or whatever the hobby is, I think it turns into this moment of like acknowledging the creator of that and the source of that. I think it kind of has become a almost a form of worship. Okay, Gabby, you just like blew me away because I was not <laughs> anticipating to find theology at the end of uh, you are happy right now in the gym. But like, bam, you just nailed us with some theology. This podcast is not just about hearing stories, but stories do transform lives. And it's about the transformation that happens yes. from hearing these stories of boldness and having our own faith encouraged. And you have definitely encouraged my faith to today, and I'm sure the faith of many people listening. Oh, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you very much. 